Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, great, to, great to have you with us. Uh, glad you were able to take a little bit of time out of the, the Christmas rush to be uh, with us today. Um, you've got a handout there, and uh, you'll see that we're at the very end of our little series that we've been doing, going through John chapter 6. And you can see at the top of the handout, I've put this, uh, this quote. Uh, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? That's coming from verse 61. This is... Uh, people responding to the words of Jesus that we've been looking at over the past few weeks. Uh, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Jesus here is really experiencing a bit of fallout, I think you'd have to say. He said some things that are quite shocking, that are quite difficult. People don't like them, and now they're, they're responding. We see later on in the passage uh, people turning away from following Jesus. You can kind of see, just at a glance, probably the best summary verse, I think, for the sorts of things Jesus has been saying uh, is back over the page on, verse, uh, on page 19, verse 54. Uh, Jesus said, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So that's the kind of shocking teaching Jesus is giving. Shocking because uh, it obviously sounds like he's kind of uh, suggesting everybody needs to suck his blood, which seems a bit odd. But it's also shocking because Jesus is really saying, he is the Lord, the one who's come to give us life. And if we are going to have any life at all, uh, he needs to die so that we can have life. Uh, this is shocking teaching, and Jesus is experiencing some fallout today. Sometimes uh, we do that, don't we? Sometimes we say something, it's the wrong thing, and we experience uh, fallout from that over the next uh, several days or, or sometimes weeks. Uh, Prince Andrew recently gave a TV interview uh, where I suspect he'll be suffering from the fallout from that uh, for many, many years to come. But the shock of this passage is it's Jesus who is experiencing the fallout. Um, one good tip for, for sharing Jesus uh, with our colleagues is, surprise, surprise, talk about Jesus. Right, that's going to be a good idea, isn't it? Because uh, that's going to help people to, to, to know the person who makes us tick, uh, the reason who gives us hope. But I guess one of the reasons why that's a good idea, kind of pragmatically, is because people tend to have a higher view of Jesus than they do of the church. You know, you'll find surveys saying, Jesus, yes, we like him, he's a nice guy, very spiritual, very, very good teacher. And the church, obviously, is kind of down there with Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn in the kind of popularity rankings. So we want to talk about Jesus. That's a kind of a good thing that we want to try and do. Always, you know, rather than get dragged into various debates about particular ethical questions or about the creation of the world or something, you know, it's a really good idea, isn't it, to try and focus on Jesus wherever we can as Christians uh, when we're talking to our, our, our non-Christian friends. But actually, you might think, well, is that a good idea? Is it a good idea to talk about Jesus? Because, well, what happens if we talk about Jesus and people respond the way that people are responding in today's passage, where um, they find Jesus is saying hard things, provocative things? And you'd have to say, wouldn't you, if you're a Christian, and you've been a Christian for a little while, you'd have to say Jesus does say some pretty shocking, hard, provocative things. And we maybe think, well, actually, if we share Jesus with our colleagues, we're, we're going to experience the same sort of fallout that he experienced. 
Um, I was looking at a survey um, that was done in England um, a couple of years ago called Talking Jesus. Quite a big survey. About two and a half um, people were surveyed by you know, a proper pollster organization. And one of the interesting things in that survey was they, they, they asked people who weren't Christians how they felt about Jesus after a conversation about Jesus with a, with a Christian friend. 20% of the people in the survey said that they didn't want to know more about Jesus as a result of that conversation that they'd had with a Christian friend. 60%, sorry, what did I say? 20%, it's 20% did want to know more, 60% didn't. That's, that's quite a discouraging st- statistic, isn't it? There were more encouraging statistics in that survey, but that, I think, is a particularly challenging one. Okay, for every, for every three people, is this right, that we would talk about Jesus with, we might expect one to want to know more, two to want to know less. Is that, would that be how the maths works there? I'm looking desperately. I think all the accountants must be busy today. So. <laughs> um, okay, so, so that's the question. And look, look at this. Look, look who it is who is finding this teaching of Jesus so hard. Verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, these are people who have actually been following Jesus, who, who see themselves as in some sort of relationship with Jesus. And these are the people who are saying, Jesus, would you, would you just stop offending people, please? Would you maybe make it a little bit easier for people to believe in you? Would you maybe roll back the rhetoric a little bit? And I wonder sometimes, do we feel like that about Jesus? Does he annoy us with how sharp-edged he is, with how challenging he can make uh, faith, how, how difficult it can sometimes be to to make our way through this world, trying to commend Jesus, while at the same time knowing that at any given moment he's going to challenge uh, people right where it can be very difficult. So, should we be talking about Jesus in our workplaces, knowing that he could well bring some fallout uh, with him when we do? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And here's why. We've got two uh, answers from this passage. The first one is, The problem is not Jesus. When there's fallout, the problem is not Jesus. Have a look at verse 61. But Jesus, knowing in himself, notice that kind of Jesus' supernatural knowledge, Jesus, knowing in himself that the disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Now, I don't know how you read that, but I think the suggestion is with that question that even if they did see Jesus ascending in his humanity uh, back to the Father in heaven, people would actually still not believe. They'd still be offended at him. Um, He seems to be saying that however much evidence I give you for who I am, you're still going to be offended uh, by me. And that's an interesting point, isn't it, that we need to really lodge in our minds. Sometimes more evidence is not what people need. That's not going to help them. Even if we saw the Son of Man ascending to where he was before, that wouldn't uh, necessarily persuade people. Why? Well, verse 63, because they're spiritually dead. Verse 63, Jesus says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The flesh is of no help at all. Uh, There's nothing wrong uh, with Jesus' words. Verse 63 again, the words I've spoken to you our spirit and life. The problem is not Jesus. The problem is us. The flesh, Jesus says, is of no help at all. Um, now, the way, uh, what we need then is the spirit. It's the spirit alone who can give life. So I think what's going on here is Jesus is saying, he's speaking spiritual words. 
Okay, words that are higher than the flesh can really understand. He's speaking to us of eternal life, of his relationship um, with the Father from all eternity. He's speaking of how uh, he has to die in order to give us life. And he's saying these are spiritual words. These are good, life-giving, but supernatural words. And he says the flesh cannot understand them by itself. If we're going to understand spiritual words, what we need are spiritual ears. If we're going to understand and, and believe who Jesus is, we, we need the Spirit to enable us to hear Jesus properly. Um, and that's why, verse 64, uh, there are some of you who do not believe. They don't have spiritual ears. Uh, he says, verse 65, uh, no one can come to me unless it's granted by the Father. So I take it Jesus is saying, you need to have the Father granting you spiritual ears if you're going to hear Jesus' spiritual words as they really are and come and have life through faith in him. Now, at this point, I think we probably all start um, maybe questioning God. You know, God, why aren't you granting everybody spiritual ears? Why aren't you uh, drawing everybody to Jesus? Well, I think Jesus wants us to see that the problem is not with him. It's with us. That's really the point of this. Jesus wants us to see that we are spiritually tone deaf by nature. We, we've got a spiritual tin ear, if you like. We're, just, we're, just, we're not hearing things rightly. Jesus is saying really good things, brilliant things, and we're just not hearing them rightly. Um, uh, you know, often my wife will say uh, brilliantly clear, persuasive things to me, and I just, it's just like a, you know, I'm just like a brick wall. It's just not getting through to me. And the problem's not what she's saying, the problem's on the receiving end. Um, so if you've ever made a complaint to your um, IT help desk, how many times have they come back to you and sort of said, um, now I can't remember the little phrase, the problem's basically... The chair, the computer. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah it's, it's sort of the user error, basically. It's, it's the, the problem is really the person using the thing, not, not the thing itself. And that's what Jesus is saying here. The words I'm speaking are words of life spiritual words and the problem is not with him but with us and in fact what do we do when Jesus speaks these spiritual words we, we tend to go off in a huff we, we, get, the, we get grumpy we, we get offended at what Jesus is saying because we've got this spiritual tin ear so friends we need to be clear on this um, there will be people who no amount of evidence is going to persuade and that is one reason why we don't place a huge amount of store by kind of apologetic talks here at Gospel in the City. Now we'll do them, we'll put on things like if there was, you know, if, if God exists, why hasn't he made himself clearer? We'll do that because that is, that's going to be good in its place. But that's, I suppose, not our bread and butter. That's not our main kind of thrust because we think, well, we know that faith comes through hearing the word of God. It's as people hear the words of life, that is the way that under God they are going to be changed and be given life. And so, you know, we'll do the apologetic stuff. We'll try and put the evidence before people. But ultimately, we know that it's not so much the evidence people need as the life-giving spirit who works through the word to give people life and to change our, our hearts. Um, and that means, really, that we want to share the, share the word, the words of life, prayerfully, don't we? And that's something I actually 
went back, uh, we kind of crafted a gospel and city vision statement, you know, a few years ago when we started out. And most recently, when I was revising that, I went through and I, I sort of put in what we try and do week to week is, is we share God's word. We try and share the gospel. We, we try to do so prayerfully. And that's going to be a really key thing for us. It's, it's something I wish we could maybe do a little bit more of here at Gospel in the City. You know, on a, on a Wednesday lunchtime, we try and make things as accessible as possible to everybody. So we don't spend long time in prayer, because if you're not a Christian, that's, that's not going to be appropriate. Um, but it's something that I, I, I really would love to be driving what we're doing here on a Wednesday lunchtime. Perhaps if you know that you're coming to Wednesday lunchtime, could you, could you pray as you're coming? I, I'm sure many of you do, but that would be a great thing uh, to do, wouldn't it? To, to pray that as the Gospels opened up, uh, hearts would be changed. It'd be great one day to perhaps see little prayer clusters gathering of people who are wanting to really pray for ministry in their workplaces and for the words of life to be coming into their office. Uh, we can't pray enough. And so, you know, we're, um, we're excited about our flyers. We're excited about the very kind person who did the graphic design. We're excited about our great speakers. We're excited that the gospel is going to be shared. But let's be praying, praying, praying that uh, as the words of life are heard, uh, the spirit of life would be working uh, through the word. Well, it all sounds like a lot of hard work, doesn't it? All of that. It sounds like it's going to be risky uh, because what if uh, the spirit doesn't give life to people and we experience a lot of fallout? Well, why should we uh, keep sharing those words of life? Well, second point, because the only solution is Jesus. There's this really poignant moment here at the end of John chapter 6. Have a look, verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So it almost seems as though nearly everybody has given up following Jesus now. Jesus is down to really the bare core, the 12 apostles that he uh, appointed right at the beginning of his ministry. And it's a great statement, isn't it, this, from Peter. Lord, you, you have the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? Peter's saying that however hard he may find it sometimes following Jesus, no matter what sort of flack he may be expecting to take, uh, he has become convinced through his journey with Jesus, that Jesus really is the Holy One of God, the Messiah, God in the flesh even, the one who has words of eternal life. As far as Peter's concerned, there is nowhere else to go. Jesus is the only solution. Um, I was chatting uh, a couple of months ago to Steve Old. Some of you will know him. He speaks um, regularly for us. Uh, here and uh, both of us I think found ourselves talking about this little moment in the gospel because we both find it incredibly uh, poignant incredibly meaningful because um, I think I don't know about you but sometimes we feel like this don't we sometimes we, we 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 find it a little bit difficult following Jesus we get challenged we get a little bit weary or jaded but then we sort of take a look at the other options on the table uh, the other religions the other philosophies of life and we sort of think no thank you they do not have the words of eternal life. And so you almost find yourself being pushed back to the Lord Jesus and find again just how good he is. I don't know if you ever find that, but certainly this verse has, has often been an encouragement to me when it's been challenging to remember, Lord, I agree with Peter. To whom else would I go? 
there's nowhere else to go. Only Jesus has the words of eternal life. Um, we're finishing up uh, with this talk um, in uh, a series in John's Gospel that we've been going through really for a little while on and off. We actually started uh, this time last year, more or less, in John chapter 1, and we've worked our way through these first six chapters of John over the last while. And, and I, I, obviously not everybody will have been here for all of those, but I, I hope that that journey, for whatever uh, part of it you've been able to be with us for, has strengthened your conviction that Jesus is the only solution. Uh, he's got the words of eternal life. Um, I thought I'd take a little minute to just kind of recap that journey, because we're not going to be coming back to John for a little while, I don't think. So do you remember all the way back in chapter one, uh, the, the kind of the Advent stuff? Uh, Jesus is the eternal word of God made flesh. Jesus is God uh, made man. Uh, and then we saw chapters uh, two all the way through to chapter four. We called that series a new start or a fresh start. And we saw that with the, the miracle of the water being turned into wine and then all the way through to the healing of the official son and raising him back to life almost, uh, we saw that Jesus is the life-giving son of God. Uh, he's the one who, who doesn't come to kill or to destroy. He's the one who comes to give us wine abundantly, uh, who says to that official, your son will live. So we saw kind of a new start that Jesus gives uh, the life-giving Son of God. And then most recently, we've been going through chapters 5 and then chapter 6. And I think those two chapters are sort of working in parallel. They're kind of upping the ante from chapters 2 to 4 in two ways. The first way they're doing it is by saying, you know, Jesus really is the Son of God. He's, he's, he's um, one with the Father. You cannot kind of separate Jesus from his Father in any way, shape, or form. He is uh, God precisely as the Father is. Um, so that's the first way that these, uh, these chapters do that, and that creates huge opposition and problems for Jesus. Um, but you also see at how Jesus comes to give life in chapters 5 and 6 a bit more. In chapter 5, you see that Jesus comes to give life um, as the one who justifies us. His word uh, gets us free from judgment. His word uh, crosses us over from death to life, because he, he's the judge. And what his word says happens. That's chapter 5. Um, chapter 6, we've been seeing that life comes through Jesus' death. We only have spiritual life. We only have true life within us, if you like, through the one who gave his body and blood for us by dying to save us. So you can see uh, a little bit of a roadmap of what we've seen over the last uh, number of months in John. We've seen that nobody else is God in the flesh. Nobody else can reveal the Father as Jesus can. Nobody else can offer us eternal life because eternal life is knowing the Father the way Jesus knows him. Nobody else uh, can give eternal life to us for free. Do you remember the uh, woman in Samaria, the woman at the well, uh, who, who, said, who, who Jesus says to her, if you'd have asked me, I'll give you the gift of God. You just have to ask and I'll give you eternal life. And nobody else can give us eternal life at the cost of his own life. It's really been my um, conviction over the last year or so as we've been going through John. More and more, I think I've seen just how pure Jesus' life is. He's sheer life. He's utterly good. There's nothing dark about Jesus at all. He gives us this unspeakably good 
invitation. He's got the words of eternal life. And so I want to encourage us as we kind of close this series in John for the, for the time being to, to prayerfully share the words of life. Um, and it strikes me that all of the talks that we've had over John over the last year or so are all available to listen back to online thanks to the wonders of our podcasting uh, team. And I think that's actually a really good resource. You know, we've had lots of speakers coming in to help us with those talks, but I think we've all been coming from a similar point of view And I think everybody's been seeking to open up the gospel and try and explain it and apply it to our lives. And that's been great. And so I wonder, could you think prayerfully about whether you might share that with with a friend? Maybe you could uh, meet up with somebody and both of you listen to a talk and then get together with the the gospels open and and chat it through together and see what made sense, what didn't make make sense. Uh, Maybe that could be a, a, a Christian colleague, perhaps somebody that you'd like to kind of encourage Uh, Perhaps it could be somebody who's not a Christian who might be open to exploring, well, what does Jesus say for himself? Um, If you'd like to do that, do do feel free to take away um, a couple of Gospels, you know, one for you, one for a friend uh, type thing, and maybe keep those on your desk or something over Christmas. And if you don't don't get using them, you know, bring them back if you you want to. But do feel free to take those away uh, and and try to to share John's Gospel with somebody. Maybe you could pray over Christmas. Um, Here's my cheesy thing to help you remember this. One for John. Could you pray for one for John? Okay, I don't know if it's going to catch on. I'm seeing recoils of... (laughs) Uh, Hopefully that'll stick in your head. Could you pray for one for John? Okay. Um, And of course, let me encourage you. We've got these to take away um, to to share with with colleagues over the Christmas uh, period. Uh, Let's be trying to do that. And let's do that because Jesus is the only solution, even as we do expect some fallout from that. That may not be easy. Great to hear people sharing uh, the, the flyer on their workplace internet. They may well get pushback from that. Great to have people putting it up on a notes board, may get pushback. Great to have these just sitting on, on our desk. And yes, you might get pushback from that. You might get uh, some fallout. But verse, uh, the final verses of this chapter do give us, I think, um, a little prompt that this is really important and this is something that we want to, want to do. Just have a look at the final couple of verses. Um, Jesus actually corrects Peter slightly. Do you see Peter says, we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So he's sort of speaking on behalf of all of the 12. But Jesus answered him, verse 70, did I not choose you, the 12? And yet one of you is a devil. And he's speaking of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. For he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So notice that one of the twelve, one of the very inner circle, ends up betraying him. Well, why does Judas do that after all he's seen? Well, as John's Gospel goes on, it it gives a hint, I think, that the reason Judas betrays Jesus is because he doesn't want to be like Jesus. He doesn't want to experience the, the life of service and sacrifice that Jesus experiences. Judas, if you like, doesn't want the fallout. And so he ends up betraying Jesus. And it seems like Jesus is making a very stark reminder here at the end of this passage. Guys, it's great you're in the inner circle. It's great you're one of the 12. But you've got to be prepared for the fallout. You've got to be prepared that if you believe that I've got the words of life, it's going to cost you to share them. But that is important because you have to be like me. 
you have to go where I go. It would be desperately sad, wouldn't it, if, if those of us here or myself as somebody who's in Christian ministry ended up thinking that we were part of the inner circle and then were afraid to, to take some fallout for Christ. That would be desperately sad because as Peter says, Lord, to whom else will we go? You have the words of eternal life. So shall we pray for the Lord to strengthen us as we go out from here back into our workplaces with the words of life. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, we do thank you for all that you've shown us of you in John's gospel and throughout our lives. Uh, thank you that he is the living bread that came down from heaven to give life to the world. We praise you that he did that uh, by shedding his blood and by his body being broken on the cross for us. And so, our Father, we praise you that you have given us words of life, living words, words that set us free and give us a hope that will never fade. And so, our Father, we pray as you send us away from here, back into our contexts, we pray that we'd, we'd see ourselves as, as missionaries, people sent out by you, like those first apostles, to bring the good news of these living words uh, to our workplaces. And we pray that you'd help us as we do that. Please, would you give us courage confidence that these are good words, spiritual words, and that Jesus is the only solution. Please give us the ability to, to, take, uh, uh, to take any pushback that we might receive uh, with a Christ-like attitude and with a Christ-like faith in you. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. <laughs>